Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson and to our recap of the first stage of the 100th edition of the Volta Ciclista Catalunya, a seven-stage world tour race. I put up a big preview of it the other day during Milano San Remo when I was kind of bored. First stage is from Calella to Calella. It's a loop from the coast. They go inland into the sort of medium mountain region and then back into a flat sprint in the coast. Pretty interesting profile, very tightly balanced between brake and sprinters and maybe a climbing sprinter, sort of like Magnus Court, Michael Matthews types. Neither of those two are here though. 180 kilometer long stage, two main climbs. They crest with 104 and 131 k's to go. The first one's not so bad, um, not particularly steep. The first long one but then the concerning one maybe if you're not in good condition was the climb from the uh or called the Porte de santa fe del montseny the first five or six k's of it were actually at like six percent average so that was the place to put sprinters under pressure then a long descent of 30 k's and then a small roller uh one and a half k's 5.6 percent and then 18 k's false flight downhill to the finish who do you think who do you like for this stage, Benji, beforehand? The break, the sprinters, a GC man? Honestly, I didn't really have a clear view of what was going to happen. We know that on this similar parkour, Thomas Hand won a stage a few years ago, so the break can win on this kind of parkour because you've got the climbs in the middle of the stage, a descent towards a smaller hill just before the line. This means that, first of all, the sprinters could already drop on the mountains, on those hills. I'm not sure if we can really specify it as proper mountains. But um, these major climbs of the day, those are the ones where the sprinters, the real flat sprinters could drop. We don't have too much of those on the star list here. I was more looking at potentially a, a sprint with a reduced bunch. But then my question would result into who's going to keep that peloton together. And I didn't really have an answer to that. So I, I don't know. I was perhaps going for the breakaway, perhaps for a reduced bunch sprint, something like that. I can't really specify, but um, I think that it really started off on a unrelaxed way. We had a breakaway, like in basically all the stages. Sometimes we don't, but the majority of races we watch, we have a breakaway. A four-man breakaway, that's Monique for Lotto Sudal, Benhan for uh, Kofidis, Tarame for uh, Wanti now, Whew, that changed. And uh, we had Martin for Oiskaltel. I'm not sure which Martin that is, but... It's a Martin, so... I thought it was, was Gia <laughs> Barani. Oh, you already said Barani. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And then the peloton, we had Bora Hansgrohe facing. That is one of the teams that could present their winner here today. They have Peter Sagan and Edith Schelling. Peter Sagan, if he can get over the climbs. We know that he had a decent run at Milano San Remo, but that doesn't mean he can get over the bigger climbs throughout the stage here directly. We'll see throughout the stage if that happened. Looking at the rest of that team... Also Kemna in there, so a bit of a combination of a GC rider. I think Kemna will be their GC rider, at least looking at the team. Uh, Kelderman is also in that team, so a uh, bit of a combo there, I guess. But I prefer Kelderman, uh, Kemna, sorry. Yeah, Jordi Meus, but he's more of a, a more, yeah, a more flat sprinter to my knowledge. Or did he do well on that Besage or, yeah, Besage stage one, didn't he get a top 10 there or something? Yeah, but that's... That, that didn't have hard mountains in the middle. Yeah. That was more like just a punch at the end. 
But yeah, I think we should cut straight to the chase, Benji, and that's they did the first climb okay, short descent, and then that 12K climb I was talking about, which is 4%, so you're like, oh, far from the finish. Someone like Peter Sagan after Milano San Remo, he should be fine. And in my preview, when I didn't have the benefit of watching Milano San Remo finish, I was like, Sagan's ill from COVID, not in good form. We saw at Torreno that this will be too difficult and I said Bora should ride for Schelling and I wasn't even too happy about them riding for Mayus. But they were pacing with Schelling early, so that was never happening. Schelling obviously cracked Roglic in the Vuelta uphill and can got a nasty kick as well. And then on that climb, Movistar Benji, Pedrero, Verona, I think maybe. Oh, Cataldo, no, he wasn't pacing. He was managing the back wheel. Movistar started lighting it up with 10, 11 Ks to go on that climb. Two-minute gap to the breakaway, and they just started like 10 seconds dropping off <laughs> every, every 15 seconds. The Peloton's throwing out single file. You're looking, the camera's like single file of 80 riders. We've got a moto at the front and a moto at the back. We have no idea who's in the middle for the next hour from yep. this point. And it's just Movistar smashing it until we see Sagan looking like he looked like proper crack too. He looked like yep. really he'd been struggling to hold on. Um, so I guess that was our answer that he's still not there. And it's pe- explain to people, Benji, why even normal 2019 Sagan wouldn't normally have a problem with this climb. Yeah, on paper, this climb is not the steepest at all. You said it on your preview. You said it already a few times uh at the start of this podcast here, but um, it's a kind of climb where it's it's just not a high gradient. It's a longer one, and I think that's what killed him today. In the past, he could probably get relatively easily over this. I think it also depends on the situation of the race. Let's say Movistar did not punch at the front. He might have still been there at the top of this climb in that group, but that's not really the case. And looking at the past, I think that we all know that Sagan has done murderous things on hills. It's gone down quite a bit. We saw last year that he won a hill stage in the Giro. So with that form, he would get over this relatively doably, yeah, I would expect, because a lot a of riders got over it in the peloton a ton. And that peloton yeah. got split up quite a bit. A bunch of riders had trouble, though. Froome, and uh, one of those riders uh, was Froome. And <laughs> I don't know. I was expecting him to get over this one. Not going to lie, because... This is the easiest of them all, I think, of the, of the entire week. Yeah, this is the sprint stage. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what's – well, he just looks – he looks like he did pre-2011 Welter, like not just in terms of results but like physically. He looks a lot bigger, um, clearly not at that sort of near that TDF race weight or even a couple of off – like he has been in the past. He's more at that, what he looked like, yeah, the Tour de Polonia 2011. So, yeah, I was surprised. Like, not just, I'm not hating, I'm, I'm surprised because he did okay on her feet, Benji. And that's, like, he only finished a, like a few minutes back and Poggy and Yates did six and a half for like 30, something stupid, and he didn't, like he still finished ahead of a lot of solid riders on a steeper climb. So then 
with a better draft, I'm just really surprised. Like the Watts don't add up. It's almost like he's gone backwards from where he was a month ago. It's not even like he's failing to get better. Like, are you even more concerned after today's stage? We, me and you, let's be clear, me and Benji didn't think Froome was winning the tour this year like or competing for it. But are you even more concerned he's not going to get back to like a competitive, can get into a break level form? Yeah, a break will be possible at some point in some ways. They're not all going to be deadly when it comes to the stage itself, but I don't think it's going to be easy and I don't think he's going to get to a competitive level this year or in the future. And that's maybe harsh to say, but like this man is earning how much? Five million a year? Let's say three million in... Uh, this is this, this is all estimates, by the way. Just know that. But we know that it's roughly between three and five million per year. And the five million one includes bonuses. So he needs to win stuff to get a lot of that. But if you earn three million a year, you're obviously having somebody invest a lot of money in you to likely gain results. He's not all getting paid just for the marketing aspect of it. And now, if I'm Israel and I see that this rider is not performing at the money that I put into this rider, then I will consider what I should do for the Tour de France. Because if Chris Froome is looking like this right now, there's no way in hell I'm sending him to the Tour de France as leader. I think they already said that they wouldn't, but I'm not well, sure not about even it. as leader. So, like, yeah. it's, it's not even a good look for him to be getting dropped off the back and having the cameras on him you know, on a random yeah. medium mountain chill stage. So that being said, I think he brought a, he might have brought some of that money with him for his salary with, you know, sponsors, etc. So I don't feel like I assume that that's directly come out of Adam's pocket. But regardless, Movistar pacing hard, dropping riders, people dropping off the back, still impy there. We never, we never got confirmation, Benji, whether Impy was in the group, I assume he was. Still a group of 40-plus riders. Dion Smith just made it over the climb, hanging on. Probably the quickest man left in that group. Uh, Caicedo, I couldn't see whether Milano was there for uh, UAE Team Emirates. They announced him late. I think Mohoric, Valverde were the quickest men. Valgren, Camp, I didn't know whether Max Cantor had been dropped or not. but. Yeah, um, a lot of Sudal's men that they had in the break mopped up the last couple of KOM points. Movistar going to the descent, as I said, 30K long technical winding descent. They've still got it absolutely pinned with Pedrero and Verona strung out. And I noticed something, Benji. Did you think they were going to attack on the descent? You know, remember when, remember when Soler attacked in the world to descent on that random stage with the descent like <laughs> 10Ks from the finish? They had four at the front. Someone Soler lost the wheel and then he caught back up. I thought that was a mistake. Mm, I don't know. I honestly don't know because the thing in this situation is that I think they had a plan to get over it, drop a few people and then try something on the last hill instead and try to get away with okay. a group there or stuff like that, or set up Valverde to sprint for it in the end. Because let's be honest, three years ago, Valverde would have won any stage that looked like this. And we we know that for certain, pretty much. And that is not the case anymore. We know that also, unfortunately. And we know that Movistar was setting something up. 
uh, I, I wasn't expecting an attack in the descent. Well, I don't feel like attacks in the descent work. <laughs> Uh, the, the thing is, I don't think attacks in the descent work if you've got a peloton there. Because the reason that the Solar attack worked was because they were in a group with people from other teams and the group wasn't big enough in the Vuelta we're talking. And therefore, others will look at each other the moment that Solar gets away. And in this situation, you don't have that. You've got an entire peloton with people that have stronger men, have plans. We know that Borowa's pacing was for Sagan, perhaps, was perhaps for somebody else. I would guess again because, well, we know that Edith Kelling was pacing at the start of the stage, so that was a bit weird. But um, I, I don't know what they were planning. I think they were trying to get away with a small group somewhere after the descent or or get at least the main sprinters away to try and set up for Valverde. But at this point, I wouldn't be setting up for Valverde with an entire team pacing throughout the entire exactly. stage. Then again, we see this a lot. We see this a lot that Movistar takes control of any Spanish race they're in. So this might just be showing themselves, which is weird for a World Tour team, but Movistar would surprise me if that's the part of the story here. Well, here's what I think their plan was. It started and ended at dropping Peter Sagan and some other sprinters. They get off the descent. I think they should have at least let Soleil go on the descent just to see who would trace, chase. Probably would have been Trek. I don't think Ineos would have been too fast. Ineos weren't that aggressive chasing today. But anyway, they get onto the valley and they got four riders, Valverde, Soler, but they still got Smith in the group. Still got Morich, Schelling, some quick men. Don't want to, Valverde's not quicker than Smith in a flat finish anymore. No. Uh, I don't I think we all know that. I think they know that. But then they that control they'd taken, they just gave it back. They looked over to Ineos and Rowan Dennis and I said, You want to pace? And Dennis laughed at him and Castroviejo laughed at them. They were like why <laughs> would we pass? Well, so we put time into Peter Sagan on GC and what pace for the sprint? No, thank you. So, Movistar with still Domestiques, Cataldo, maybe just stop pacing with 25Ks to go after splitting the whole race apart, then attacks it in this short valley before the last 1600 meter. 5% climb, start flying. Luis Leon Sanchez, Spanish national champion, looking as good as always. Um, multiple attacks. Some, but then I think Krohn for Lotto Sudal, active, trying to get in that break. A few got brought back, a few went again. A few got brought back. I think uh, Kenny Elisande was trying to get in there. Trek were active. They didn't have a sprinter. They had they got Brambilla, Ciccone, and so no sprinter, no GC man. And then it was Leonard Kamner Benji in a Luis Leon Sanchez, Remy Rochas and Crone uh, group going up the road. No one went across to them. Were you surprised the GC teams let a break with Kamner go? No, I don't think so. I don't think Kamner's on the league where an Ineos should start basing yet. I think he's dangerous. But I don't think that he's the rider that they should react on yet. What I do think is that I was surprised some other people weren't reacting. We know that Movistar was pacing the entire time. And the moment that attacks start going, I see them sitting on the wheel that tries to counter. Yeah, exactly. They were sitting <laughs> on the wheel of the riders wheel. that were trying to bridge over <laughs> to the first group. And that made no sense because, like, they've been pacing all day. I'm expecting them to do something now. And they didn't. So oh, they decided oh. to block the people that tried to jump over. So that was a weird situation. Same thing for some other teams. We saw that 
Simon Yates was trying to get in a group away very subtly yeah. at a certain point. And Chavez, after that, initially. we didn't really see bike exchange countering anybody really anymore. And that was surprising to me because you know that Dion Smith is in that group, likely one of the better... You, you said it during the stage to me. Dion Smith in this group, bike exchange needs to ride for him because he's likely the fastest in this group. And we know that they didn't. They didn't do that. They decided to try and attack with Chavez there, with with Yates there. Chavez in a... Tell me, what will Chavez do here? Just give it to me. Because I don't Night. understand why I would even <laughs> counter an attack with Chavez because he's never gaining anything here. He's not going to be important for GC this entire week. And if he's in a group with someone, he's not going to win because his sprint isn't good enough. So I don't get it. Just make him a domestique at this point. I said in the preview, I was like, bike exchange, good luck if you're Dion Smith. Um, Bike exchange in this group, Benji, had six riders, six, and we didn't see any of them present until it was too late. We saw Chavez eventually start to pull on the uh, Porto Colas pole. Jeez, let me start that again. Port de Colas Groy, 1,500 meters, 5.6%. I'm going to need to improve my Catalan pronunciation if I'm going to live in Andorra. <laughs> and that was like 17Ks from the finish and the break, who were working seamlessly, by the way. Crone strong, Luis Leon Sanchez strong, Kamner, he's really good in a break, even flat rolling break. And Remy Rochas, small guy, but strong too, not to be underestimated. Six riders bike exchange had and they only brought I think Callum Scottson through later now maybe they were tired or whatever but I get that Yates and Hamilton can't pull because they're protected on GC well I think Hamilton he'd been in the break hadn't he or was that oh, Tara okay. May yeah but still okay, no no, no, no. I'm, I'm getting my Estonians I'm getting my Estonians <laughs> sorry <laughs> the two Estonian breakaway guys um yeah, I just think bike exchange, when Movistar were looking around and someone needed to control, bike exchange needed to come to the front, show fan across the road, block, or keep the brake in check for Dion Smith. Big opportunity for him, and it was a big miss for them because, yeah, I don't know why. It was too late. Anyway, Chavez is trying to pace back the brake. They're working seamlessly. They've got a rolling p- terrain. No one's really helping them. Ineos and Yumbo Visma. Didn't care. 40 Trek seconds, did. 45. Trek did, but that was for stage. And it was. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Correct. I wouldn't say they were working too well either. Aura blocking with shelling nicely, second wheel. Valverde was just sitting there, second wheel, with other Movistar riders. They didn't pace it back. So I, I've been critical of Bike Exchange. They're at like a 5 out of 10 bad, no, maybe 7 out of 10 bad. Movistar working all day not getting Soler into that break and then not chasing it back, it's fucking mind-blowing. Like, I don't understand, Benji. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you, you call us in from the last climb with Chavez pacing in a 30-second gap. So the 30-second gap was there. We know that the group behind wasn't exactly getting the cooperation needed to close down the gap. We know that in the front group we have those four runners, Andreas Kron, showing extensively the entire season so far that he's strong. We've mentioned him quite a few times on the podcast this year, and I, I'm pretty happy with that because I like the guy. I oh, haven't you? Have. And um, okay, uh, Luis Leon Sanchez. 
this year already looking very strong as well. He's been attacking quite a few times. He was attacking on that stage that Almeida went solo eventually. Um, in the Paranese? No, you were, yeah, poor Paranese, I think. I don't even know at this point. Was it Paranese? With the Cavani move. Tireno, yes. The Cav- yeah, with the Cavani no, move. No, no, Cavani, Sharub, Cavani, mechanical, stage five. Roglic, okay. well. Yeah, Louis Leon, right. bridge ship across to him. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing everything to each other here. But um, we know that um, he's a strong rider on the flat. We know that he's got an engine, and he's shown it quite a few times this season. Leonard Gemner, he can time trial, so he can do this as well. Remy Rochard, I don't exactly know what his skills or where his skills lie, so I can't tell you if he's good at he's this or that. Um, he can climb a bit. Yeah, that seems to be a very true after today. And also... But was Camden going for GC, did you think? Uh, I don't, I don't, I think it was a bit of a double play from him. I think he was betting on two horses. He was trying to see if he could take the stage while going for GC. The reason I don't think he was all out going for GC was because in the last two kilometers, he got thrown into a position where he was at the front of the four. And this is a moment where the group is basically going to go for the stage because the group behind was not chasing enough, was not doing enough work to catch these four riders. These four riders are at the front, and they start playing at two kilometers to go. Start playing in the sense of, Kamala's at the front in first position. He got in that position, and he was like, oh shit, now I'm in this position. And Luis Leon Sanchez is, oh, he's an expert at this. He's been doing this entire life, doing these breakaway sprints. So he knows he doesn't need to take over anymore. He knows that they've got enough time if they don't literally stand still at that point yeah. to start fighting with the rest of them. He's in second wheel, and I think Andreas Kron was in third wheel and Rocha in fourth wheel. That switched around in the last in in the last eight hundred meters, I think. But um, going to the final kilometer, we noticed that Kron came to the front of that group, and he realized, "Oh, I don't need to be here." And then he went to the back again and placed himself in fourth position behind Rocha. So at that moment, you know that Kemna, Luis Leon Sanchez, Rocha. And then Kron was the was the order that they were in. And I think that I was kind of surprised by how the sprint played out because Luis Leon Sanchez was doing the um, the track thing where you look behind and see if everybody's uh, still there and nobody's attacking behind you. And he comes into the last 400 meters, last 300 meters. And I think Remy Rocha was the first to get out of the wheel of Luis Leon Sanchez. And he got past Luis Leon Sanchez quite quickly. It looked like Luis Leon Sanchez knew the, the move was coming. But it didn't counter it enough. Kamenai in first position was basically a dead swan going towards a position where he's not really going to sprint for victory here. Luis Leon Sanchez and Rocha getting out of the wheel of Kemna. Luis Leon Sanchez having trouble because he's basically in between two riders because of this. And Andreas Kron from fourth wheel goes next to Remy Rocha, goes past his back wheel, past his front wheel, and goes past him. And then it's a 1v1 between him and and Luis Leon Sanchez, who just found a way through the sandwich of the other two riders. So 1v1, and I thought Kron has this because he's got the upper hand of being in the draft of all these riders in the last 100 meters. He can get past Rocha using his draft, while Luis Leon Sanchez has to sprint for the second time, really, because he had to sprint, then got blocked a bit, and then has to sprint again. And uh, when when you're in that position, it's pretty much a loss for you. So... In the end, it was Andreas Kron, the Dane, taking his victory here. I think his first World Tour victory, certainly. 
Uh, it's probably not his first victory, though. I'm not sure about that. But um, I'm really happy you did. With Leon Sanchez coming in second, a bit of speculation of whether there were sprint deviations and such, but I think it was a bit difficult because they were all kind of sandwiching each other without yeah. deviating at it all. It was all right. So um, in, in the end, I wouldn't blame anyone here in this sprint personally. Um, but yeah, Andreas Kron, I'm happy. I really am. And uh, they're on fire. <laughs> Magnus Court, Andreas Kron. Who was the other day in that one recently? I'm not switch with. Yeah, true. <laughs> the odd one out at Torino. They're on fire. Andreas Crohn, 22 years old. I think Luis Leon Sanchez, was his sprint was slightly being overhyped and people were sleeping on Crohn a little bit. And he, I think Crohn conserved energy really well. I think Kamner, I think it was a mistake not to ride 100% for GC. He's got a good TT, back-to-back mountain stages. He should have put himself in the best position for GC position for GC and he his attack with 1500 meters to go marked immediately by Luis Leon Sanchez it broke down the cooperation the group completely I think he should have just gone on the front and paced and he's come fourth but with a gap of 16 seconds instead of a gap of 35 40 Ineos came to the front in the chase group with about three four k's to go with Dennis or Castroviejo not to chase back the break, but just to ensure that Kamner wasn't getting more than 30 seconds um, because it's a, it's a one-week stage race. I know we've got two big mountain stages, but yep. 45 seconds a minute's a lot, particularly if Carapaz or Yates lose time to Kamner in the TT. But here's the results. Andreas Krohn first, Luis Leon Sanchez second, Rochas third, Kamner fourth, 16 seconds ahead of the bunch who uh, Dion Smith beat everybody in the sprint. I'm not particularly happy about that. Matai Mohoric, sixth. Ida Schelling, still seventh <laughs> for Bora Hansgra. And Valverde, eighth. Camp, ninth. Valgren, tenth. Impey was in that group. Um, and all the other GC contenders were in that group that I can see. Group of 80. It's a big group. A lot of riders and teams, I think, will be ruining not getting that four-man breakaway. And uh, I think there was a lot of complacency, Benji. People expecting Ineos and Jumbo Visma to do the dirty work for them. They don't have a sprinter. They got nothing to gain out of this stage. And I think Ineos were like, Camden on 20 seconds, it'll be fine. Um, I have a question. They'll probably, yep. What happened to Pools? Because the man finished on 14 minutes today, Wout Pools. And Wait, to my knowledge, he was leader here for the team. Bernsteiner in the team as well, but he's likely not going to be GC leader. So I don't know if something happened or... Yeah. I hope he's, I hope he's well and didn't crash or have an issue. Um, I hope that the answer is he's listening to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast and he's decided <laughs> that 6th or 7th on GC without anyone seeing him for a week is not as good as getting in a break on the mountain stage because he'll, he'll be a great candidate if he's okay or not unwell for the break on stage four. You'd think, geez, he'd be scary in a break. Another one, Ben Zvihoff, Benji, eight minutes back, dropped and don't know why he'd be having issues on that climb. Louis Mankies, 
as well. Like a lot of, yeah, lot of Attila Volta, Pernsteiner, Jungles, eight, eight minutes back. What's going on? Likely a few riders are thinking about the breakaways for these upcoming stages. Because Yeah, you're probably right. Um, the thing about this is that we've got Ineos that is a team with all the firepower. Movistar as well. Movistar is going to be interested in breakaway. Uh, no, in uh, in stages. I'm not going to say breakaways, but in stages. So they'll try and team control stuff and mate. try and attack. Team classification, yes, true. But also, <laughs> we know that Ineos is the likely team that will control most of the racing because they've got so many potential favorites here. And if that is the case, we know that Ineos likes to give stages to breakaways as well. So if the likes of a Valter or something can get into a breakaway on, let's say, the Valter 2K climb in a few days, then that's a perfect combo for good. a stage win, you know? So uh, Same with Jungles. I don't think Jungles like, is good you, enough. No, no, not on that one. Like, But maybe on the uh, Manresa medium mountain stage, light to light medium mountain stage. But um, he probably wouldn't need to lose time on purpose today. He'd be losing enough on stages three and four. Uh, yep. But yeah, hope Falt is okay. Hope all the riders are not unwell. Um, maybe they just were having an off day. Hope again comes back, but this is going to be a it's going to be a rough week for the man. I feel pretty sorry for him if he is still like yep. a bit under the weather or has good days, had bad days because this is brutal. These seven days tomorrow is the individual time trial. I think it's ooh, eighteen kilometers. I almost feel like they changed the profile on the Espanoles to Banoles loop. They'll be familiar with the area, a lot of the riders uh, that live in Girona. It's, yeah, it's 19Ks. The profile they sent me was 21Ks last week. Rolly course, about 180 metres of elevation gain with a couple of 5% pinches, or three rather, all about 500 to 700 metres long. Coos Benji. Yeah, let me check. He finished in. He finished in the main group. And in this job. Um, tell me, tell me the GC order in the TT tomorrow. Almeida first, obviously, or or Thomas. Almeida first. Um, wow, Thomas, you're right. He exists as well. Forgot he about it. Today. Um, we forgot to say. Yeah, I forgot about it. Yeah, but it wasn't that special and necessary to talk about anyway. It didn't really result into anything. Oh, geez. So. Um, I, I meant it well. I, I meant that the attack didn't really influence the stage today, so it didn't matter too much. I, I'm not a I'm not a Thomas hater here. Let's be real. Um, anti, let's anti look Scott. at the order that it could be into. Uh, I think looking at the entire team, well, all the teams, we've got Kreisweg, who's going to do a good time trial, Almeida, Thomas. Um, I'm curious to see what Karapaz is doing because he was good on that Vuelta time trial, but it also had a hill in the end, so... I'm not sure if that will result into anything here. Uh, for the rest, it's it's kind of difficult. McNulty is here, so he's going to be up there as well. Uh, Kellerman can do a decent time trial. Kemna can do a decent time trial. I'm going to go for the following order, okay? I'm probably going to forget a few of the people I already mentioned right now, but the order is going to be Almeida, Thomas. Nah, McNulty smoking Kelderman, Thomas. Kelderman, then McNulty. Okay, McNulty's beating Calderman, okay? And yeah, um, I was about to is going to be beaten by uh, 
Kellerman is going to beat Kreisweig, I think. And Karapaz is going to be just behind that somewhere. Port here as well. We forgot about the puncture, man. Oh, my God. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Port had a puncture at the start of the second climb when people were pay- pacing and he got back on. But I was like, you got to be kidding me. But, yeah, I think Port <laughs> should do a good TT. Rolling TT should suit him. I think, yeah, my, my view is Almeida, McNulty, Thomas, Kreuzweig, and then Kemner, Port, and uh, Enric Mas, Fikus, who are you taking head-to-head? Uh, Mas, certainly. He, Mas can you actually reckon? time trial. I'm not even joking. He Dude, can genuinely time trial top 15. He did a terrible one. Yeah, he had a terrible um, one at the Vuelta, but you don't <laughs> see a rider from his worst TT. You try and find his average result yep. to try and define something, and his average result in a time trial is much better than Kus. I'm curious what Hirschi's going to be doing. I think he finished in the group. I haven't checked, but if he has, I'm curious if he's going to try and go for the uh, time trial and go for GC. I say do it because I, like from last year, if you look at his capabilities, he was decent in Dauphiné or Swiss, one of the two. I think it was Dauphiné where he stayed up with the elite group until there were like 17 riders left, 15 riders left. So, if he can do that here, yeah. if he can get this time trial done, I believe he can top 20 GC. <laughs> top, top 20 <laughs> GC. I think, I think a stage <laughs> win might be slightly more attractive for him. Um, I think so as well. I think Kemner cost himself the leader's jersey tomorrow. And I think Almeida will be in the leader's jersey after tomorrow ahead of Kemner. And if Kemner had had 40 seconds, 35 seconds, he would have been in the leader's jersey. So, yeah, we'll be, I'll be interested to see what happens. I think Koos, Maas, and Cole yep. losing time. The Yates brothers throw a, a flip a coin. We don't – they can do They can do a good TT. They can do a really bad one. We – I don't know. We're not soothsayers. Uh, for the stage win, Remy Cavagna has got to be the favourite after his uh, Paranese TT and this – parkour which should suit him even more but he's 13 minutes back so he won't be going to the leader's jersey so really interesting tt got gc leader's jersey up for grabs stage win up for grabs and time gaps too so i love it when those three are in play the same in the Pyrenees. uh we can't wait to join you with that tomorrow any last thoughts benji any hot takes any head-to-heads do you agree with kevin your favorite or almeida uh, I think it's gonna be closer than we are than we are saying here. Mm, I'm gonna go for Dennis. I feel like nah, I'd, they don't have the uh, what's it what's what's its name again? Arrow base layer. <laughs> they don't have it anymore. It's not Dennis, man. You can't pick any Estrada. It's impossible. They can't do it anymore. They're not arrow enough. So um, <laughs> I do kind of want Coffee. to have an outsider win, but. I don't see Carfi doing it, sorry. Uh, I know you're a Carfi lover right now. I just, I don't see him winning the time trial, just to be clear. I see him doing a decent time trial, not losing too much time. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say Josef Czerny. Oh, that's a good call. That's a nice little pick there for a top five or a top three, Josef Czerny. Okay. We'll end with Benji's nugget of wisdom there. It's been a great opening to Volta Ciclista Catalonia. 
continues tomorrow and then we're into the mountains in stages three and four great stage race i'll have highlights tomorrow of today's stage and i'll see you tomorrow ciao